Can the boss make you take the COVID-19 vaccine? What if you refuse? What happens next? Christine Bester Townsend from Ogletree Deacon shed some light. I'm Lawrence Coletti, and this is Legal Talk Today. All right. Welcome back, listeners. Always a pleasure to be here with you. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today's topic, we're talking about the imminent COVID-19 vaccines that are heartbeat away from approvals from the FDA. Once those become available uh, in the workplace, employers will have a lot of questions as to whether or not they can require their employees to take that and help us out with the sticky issue. We welcome our guest, Christine Bester Townsend from Ogletree Deacons. Welcome to the show, Christine. Thank you so much for having me today. Super excited to be here and talk about uh, this exciting development in the world of COVID. Yeah, no, I think very exciting. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll get some relief for the country uh, coming up here. Before we get started with the first question, Christy, I want to do a little setup for the audience just to give a little bit greater context. And so as I've been reading in the news and as, as I understand it, uh, we have two COVID-19 vaccines that are pretty much ready for their approval process with uh, there might be a third one on the way pretty soon. And as it's being reported, the vaccine from pharmaceutical company Pfizer will go first on December 10th. So that may be either right before or right after this episode comes out, just depending how quickly we get it out. And then the second one from Moderna, that's the second company, will come out on December 17th. And so these vaccines are coming right out of President Trump's Operation Warp Speed. And that's a collaboration between leading pharmaceutical companies, the Department of Health and Human Services, and interestingly enough, the Department of Defense to produce and very importantly, deliver 300 million doses of COVID-19 vaccine with the initial doses available by January 2021, as it's being reported. Now, of course, all this is being funded by $10 billion allocated from Congress, courtesy of the American taxpayer. Thank you, taxpayers. And one of the big features about this program, which kind of plays into some of its immediacy, is the pre-staging. And what that means is that even before the vaccines were approved, they were manufacturing them in advance and shipping them into place so that when the vaccines do get their final approval, they'll be ready almost immediately for distribution. So objectively speaking, this is an unprecedented accomplishment. I don't think any country has ever delivered a vaccine this quickly before. And, uh, you know, obviously a lot of thought and process went into this. We're very lucky to have a country with people that are as smart as they are to help hopefully give us this option to get our country back to normal. So Christine, sorry about the long windup. I just wanted to give a little context to that because this is a decision employers are going to have to start making very soon. And so let me just open with this question, as a general matter, can employers require their employees to get vaccines before returning to work? They can. Employers can choose to mandate vaccinations. Obviously, there's the exceptions that we always need to talk about under the ADA and potential religious exemptions, but employers are allowed to mandate the vaccine. Now, some employers might decide that they're going to just encourage the vaccine and not mandate and take a carrot versus a stick approach but employers are able to mandate the vaccine under the law. Okay, so what happens if uh, an employee refuses? I mean, in theory, can they be fired for that? In theory, they can. And in fact, if an employer is going to choose to mandate the vaccine, one really important consideration that they're going to have to keep in mind is, are you going to be willing to discharge employees who refuse to vaccinate? And are you going to be able to replace those discharge employees and operate effectively? So yes, um, you can. And if you're going to make it mandatory, you're going to have to be ready to take those steps. 
So that is why some employers might consider incentives for opting into a vaccination program rather than the punishment for those who are opting out of a vaccination program. Well, I definitely want to get into some of those incentive programs to uh, to get employees to take a vaccine. But I want to talk about those grounds by which an employee can, within the law, you know, have the right to refuse to take that vaccine. And you know, talk about those uh, that situation or those situations, and then you know, talk about what happens afterwards. Again, they'd be fired after that. What happens? Absolutely. So there's two bases by which employees can refuse a vaccine. The first is a religious accommodation for a sincerely held religious belief. In general, a personal or ethical objection is just not enough to rise to that level. Now, what counts as a sincerely held religious belief does vary by jurisdiction. Different courts have been more generous, but that is the basis by which one basis by which employees can refuse to take the vaccine. Then what the employer has to do is they need to analyze the undue hardship that that causes to the company. So, for example, a healthcare client likely has a much higher risk in terms of having non-vaccinated individuals, right? In a manufacturing environment, if we know 95% of our people are vaccinated, perhaps we can say it's not an undue hardship to allow this exception. But in healthcare, right, if someone is um, in oncology and are going to be around people that are not vaccinated, are vulnerable, that barrier for an undue hardship is much harder. And, it, and a healthcare client might reasonably conclude or healthcare uh, employer might reasonably conclude that they aren't able to accommodate that religious vaccination, depending on the facts of the case in question. The other undue hardship analysis would be if it is an ADA issue. And this is probably a higher bar for employers to reach than the religious accommodation. So if someone has a disability, for example, they are allergic to the one of the ingredients in the vaccine and, and that will cause or trigger a medical issue or because of their medical issue, they are unable to be vaccinated. That's an ADA analysis because of the grounds being a disability the employer is going to have to determine whether to allow this person to not vaccinate, to give them that accommodation of not vaccinating is an undue hardship. And again, that bar is going to be higher than it is under a religious accommodation analysis. All right. Well, getting back to the carrot and stick. So, so far we've talked a little bit about the stick part of that, but uh, I read this great Washington Post article and, and I'll put this in the show notes. And they, they brought up the idea, like you were just saying, of, of offering the carrot, the reward. And so employers offering incentive programs, maybe it's part of their HR uh, wellness program that they have already pre-established. So let's talk about that. You know, what, what are uh, employers allowed to do when it comes to those incentive programs to, I guess, in a, in a pleasant way, promote the taking of a vaccine rather than than offering a consequence for not doing it. Absolutely. So an employer can offer certain incentives. Obviously, depending on what the incentive is, you need to consult with an ERISA attorney to make sure that the incentive that you are offering is acceptable. But you can absolutely offer those incentives. And that really might be something that the employer would prefer to do versus mandating the vaccine. Now, in a healthcare environment, likely employers are going to choose to to mandate. But perhaps you're going to say, okay, we're going to have some sort of cash bonus. You're going to be entered in a raffle or drawing for a large prize. You might get extra PTO. Employers want to get creative about the incentives they're offering to the vaccine. If we know that in the general public to have herd immunity, we really need 
between 60 to 70% of people vaccinated. Obviously, there's a lot of companies that have a vested interest in protecting their workplace and, and protecting the public at large. Obviously, the more vaccinations, we're going to be able to have a more robust economy. Gotcha, gotcha. Related to that question, another another uh, aspect that came up in this Washington Post article, which again I'll post in the show notes, was um, aside from you know firing or you know requiring that for people to come back to work, perhaps the employer could use disincentives, so kind of the smaller stick, not the full stick, kind of a smaller stick. So maybe that's like having to fill out some additional paperwork. Maybe that's parceling that person off into a smaller, maybe dank, dark office off in the corner or something. But uh, right. what, what can employers do there? You know, if they they don't want to go so far as to use the big stick and then maybe they don't have enough money to use the carrot. Maybe the carrot doesn't work, but maybe they can offer a disincentive. What, what, what do you, what do you say about that? Yes, you can absolutely do that in a way that, Hey, if you're not vaccinated, perhaps you don't get to participate in travel. You don't, you're going to be quarantined off somewhere else in in the facility. And in fact, that's what employers are doing now in certain cases, right? If there's a ADA issue that prevents someone from lead uh, from wearing a face covering, they're taking other measures to protect their workplace, including perhaps putting that, that person in an isolated area, certain job duties maybe that they're not performing, maybe they're not allowed to you know, visit the common areas because of the direct threat that that person poses given the fact that they can't wear a face covering. So you could absolutely do a smaller stick than, than termination. All right, so this is my uh, this is my most complex question for the interview, Christine. And so a little setup here. You know, we've covered uh, we've covered vaccine in the past. We've covered you know just sort of the unintended consequences of shutting down and creating additional liability. It's something that uh, you know we've talked about. And I'll, I'll put some of those uh, episodes in the show notes for listeners to go back and review. But getting back to that unintended consequence, we've had viruses in the past, and we've never really shut down the economy like we've done this year. And so, you know, in, in shutting the economy down and shutting businesses down, and also I would argue, um, you know, mass mandates as well, creating this obviously for good intentions, but creating this unintended consequence of, in my opinion, creating an additional vector of liability for uh, business owners. And so kind of bringing up that negligence standard of review there, right? Where it's like, did you do everything that you could reasonably to create, you know, create a safe working environment for your employees? And so employers have that on their mind, this additional liability factor. And in so doing, you know, they're going to, when this vaccine becomes available, they're going to be obviously thinking about, do I require this? And so if they do, I think they're still kind of in a catch-22 because, you know, uh, companies that make vaccines, the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act has some limitations on their overall liability. And of course, you know, people that are injured by vaccines, as you as you mentioned earlier, you know, they, they've got the National Vaccine Injury Compensation Program, but that doesn't necessarily get employers off the hook. So let me give you an example. So let's say an employer requires it and somebody, you know, through no fault of their own, no pre-knowledge gets allergic to it and be, uh, becomes sick. And it's not mandated by law that the employer has to uh, require that, but they do it anyway. An employee gets sick and now can sue the employer. But what if on the other side, they said, you know what? Law doesn't require it. I'm not going to require my uh, employees to get uh, vaccinated. And so one of them gets sick, passes COVID onto a customer. Now the customer can sue. And so they're kind of in this no-win situation. So can you walk us through some of that? Is there some guidance there you can provide? There's a lot to unpack in your question, but let's start with workplace, right? Workplace injuries. A lot of times those are going to be covered by your workers' compensation in insurance. And I would say if you are embarking on a mandatory COVID vaccination program, you should also inquire with your, your carrier whether 
vaccine injuries, right, would be covered by your workers' compensation provider. So that's number one. Number two, in terms of liability from a third party, you don't require vaccination. I think that's really going to vary by industry. And, and certainly the healthcare industry, that's a, that's a different risk analysis because it's a different risk you are posing to patients in this case or outside parties, right? That, that's a very different risk than me going into Target and the person at the checkout is not, is not vaccinated. And I, I think it will be interesting to see what the law does with that, whether there's going to be liability shields, as we've seen, you know, many states have enacted COVID liability shields. And, and, and then on the flip side, many states have enacted presumptions for workers' compensation. If someone contracts COVID and had worked in the workplace, there's a rebuttable presumption that that person did contract that disease in the workplace. So it will be interesting to see, you know, what the law does with this, whether states act to say, hey, you know, you can't sue a company for not having vaccinated employees, or on the flip side, an employee can't sue you for a vaccination type injury, etc. But I, I do think that the most important thing that an employer can do in advance is make sure you've got a vaccination policy ready to go whether that's a mandatory vaccination policy or a voluntary vaccination policy, really employers are going to want this in place as soon as possible. We actually at our firm have developed a template vaccination policy that I know a lot of my clients are using because it is so important to kind of think in advance. One disadvantage employers and companies have had in this pandemic is we kind of started behind the ball. We weren't really sure what was happening. We were reactive. We had to react to the various orders that came out. And now I think a lot of companies are kind of ahead of the game. There's places where there were, you know, face covering mandates being issued, but employers already had those in place. And we know the CDC proposal for allocation starts with healthcare, then goes to essential workers, then we go to high-risk medical conditions, and then we go to older adults. And states are able to roll out the program as they see fit. But, you know, especially in those healthcare industries and essential businesses, they're going to want to have that plan in place and, and be thinking about these issues in advance so they can be ahead of the, of the ball this time. Well, Christine, thank you so much for joining us today. It was a really, really insightful conversation. Thank you so much for having me. It's super exciting to talk about, and it's going to be an interesting few months as, as we hopefully get more of this vaccine rolled out. Yeah, agreed. It's going to be uh, 2020 uh, is just never short of surprises. So hopefully we have some good surprises in store for us. Absolutely. Hopefully we've got some good surprises coming in 2021 as, as we close out 2020. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Without you, there's no show, and that's no fun. If you like what you heard, please leave us a review in your favorite podcasting app. And as usual, we'll cite our sources for this episode on our website, LegalTalkNetwork.com, so you can read those for yourself. And lastly, but certainly not leastly, I want to thank our team, producer Molly McDonough and our incredible production crew for their continued and tireless efforts to make us sound so good. This has been Legal Talk Today. I'm Lawrence Coletti. Have a great day, everybody. 